it's good to be back in the chair I have to say and a big thank you to Ray Addison for keeping it warm for me <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're mm-hmm. going to be taking a look at crying crying in the workplace do you think that's a good thing also your inner voice do you pay attention to that? Do you think it's doing you good or maybe doing you harm? There's some of the stories as well as gossip. We're going to be unpacking gossip for right. you this morning so we understand it better, how far we can go, when not to cross that line and whether gossip can be good for you as well because apparently they're saying it could be really good for you to have a jolly good gossip. I think that's actually going to be a really interesting article for us to go through, to be honest, and quite debatable because I think people are going to be on both sides of that. Yeah, I was surprised. I thought it was, when I saw the headline, I thought they were going to say, it's bad, you don't want negative thoughts, you don't want negative speak. Actually, it's saying the opposite. It's saying it can be good for you to get it out there. So uh, getting it out there this morning with you. But let's take a look first at crying, uh, crying actually and particularly in the workplace. So this is coming out of the UK. It's a story that caught my eye whilst I was there over the last few days. Is crying at work a good idea? Well, many, I think, would say no. Uh, You know, you need to hold yourself together. It's a place of professionalism. You need to get work done. You need to be uh, productive. And also, it might affect others if you were to get emotional in the workplace. Well, let me share some of this article with you. This is from Hannah Rose, writing for The Guardian. Uh, I will never forget the first time I needed to cry at work. But crying is looked down upon in the workplace as oversensitive, immature and unprofessional. The most recent example of male disdain came earlier this week when Nobel laureate Tim Hunt suggested that female scientists can't take criticism without crying. So I held in my distress and it built until unable to conceal it anymore. I ran to the bathroom, threw up my breakfast and cried until I could not return to my until I could return to my desk. As someone dealing with an anxiety disorder, feeling that I couldn't slow emotion at the office or show it just exacerbated my emotional and physical reaction to the situation so here you go here's somebody that actually is very open and saying i have an anxiety disorder i do get emotional and when i do i feel that i can't show it publicly i have to go to the bathroom conceal it pull myself together and then go back to my desk you know and it's really interesting with a lot of people that have anxiety disorder is that trying to stop the anxiety start uh, trying to stop the panic by sort of saying to yourself okay just relax relax stop thinking about it stop thinking about it it makes it worse so in that moment working through those feelings instead of trying to suppress them and and trying to pretend that they're not there um, is much better so going through those feelings now when it comes to crying you know without revealing what we think about about um, crying at the workplace but when it comes to crying are we crying because of the emotions that we feel or are we crying because we're overstressed what are we crying about and at the same time what is the crying doing to us is it helping or is it making it worse so we have to think of all of these different aspects when we consider crying at the workplace when it comes to anxiety however we have to think of it this way so Suzanne if I tell you don't think of the pink elephant what are you thinking of Uh, an elephant that's Right, exactly. And that's the same idea with anxiety disorders. The anxiety disorder itself is a it's a bunch of symptoms. And those symptoms come from worrying and, 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 you know, and it could lead to a panic. And that panic can come from all of those symptoms that we that we talk about, which is like, you know, the heavy breathing, uh, shortness of breath, the rapid heart rate, the sweating, the, you know, those kind of symptoms. And when we start to have those symptoms, we start to get scared. 
and those that fear leads to more fear that and that fear leads to more fear and so we need to express that somehow it could be crying it could be you know just yelling into a pillow it could be anything but when you're at work and something like that happens what can you do Mm. what can you do to work through those emotions so it's really about why you feel like crying why those tears are springing in your eyes you know addressing that and if it's to do directly with work or is it to do with something else that's happening in your life and then there's this argument that you should leave at the door any personal problems issues when you're walking through the door to your office or place of work and have you experienced something similar for yourself have you got emotional at work have you seen somebody else get emotional at work how did you respond how did you feel about it did you feel embarrassed did you feel awkward did you feel that you uh, were maybe being unprofessional or the opposite maybe you felt good about it maybe you're somebody that says you know that's how I feel and everybody else can deal with it you know that's real it's a real emotion interesting isn't it I think that as human beings we want to be kind I hope but in the place of work deadlines lots to do you've got your own pressure your own uh, workload how much can we take on board somebody else's emotions or issues whilst in the workplace Something that you must come across a lot at the Human Relations Institute and clinics is stress, feeling Mm -hmm. overwhelmed, people feeling that they can't communicate at work, they can't say how they really feel because they might be judged negatively, it might go against them in their career. Right, and not just that, those that, you know, are really stressed at work and then they get home and there's more stress or they don't want to add on to more stress to the person who's at home dealing with their own stress, so they don't talk about anything, so they repress and they repress and they repress and then things start to get worse. So um, when it comes to when it comes to also crying at work to piggyback a little bit on what you're saying is that what kind of work are you doing? Because, you know, it's one thing if you're let's say I don't I mean, we can we can throw this debate in the air for for the longest time. But, you know, if you're a business person and, and you're crying at work versus if you're an oncology doctor and you're crying at work in front of a patient mm. or if you're a psychologist and you're crying in front of a patient or a teacher crying in front of your students or a lawyer crying in front of, you know, the court. So there are so many different professions that people would say, hey, wait a second, that's not so professional for you to be crying, even no matter how you're feeling. So then you have that debate. Well, what kind of work do you do? And how does that affect, if you cry, how does that affect the people that are around around you? Around you, yeah. So time and place for showing that emotion. We're looking at this article in The Guardian coming out of the UK, written by Hannah Ewins. She goes on to say, you know, that she may be suffering from uh, an anxiety disorder, but almost a fifth of US adults and a quarter of the British suffer from mental illness. And if they're like uh, this person or their friends who also have anxiety, crying can help dissipate emotion before it builds into a full-blown panic attack. Anxiety disorder or not, emotional tears contain hormones that help reduce stress while repressed emotions cause escalating stress levels that can weaken your immune system. So, you know, having that opportunity to release the emotion as you feel it rather than holding it in, suppressing it, uh, could have a real positive effect on your health and well-being. Of course. I mean, you know, having a good cry here and there is always good for a person. And because it's but it's not just about crying. It's about releasing the emotion. Some people, when they uh, cry, they're releasing emotions. Some people, when they work out, they release emotions. Some people, when they do sports, they release emotions. It's not about the actual crying. It's about letting go. It's about letting whatever you feel out and releasing it instead of 
continuously just sort of, um, you know, swallowing and swallowing and expecting it to just go away. We've got a range of uh, stories we want to share with you, but one story that caught my eye from the UK's Guardian about crying in the workplace and uh, suggesting that the tides are turning and it's becoming more acceptable to see people show emotion whilst at work. Uh, one person's texting to say, I'll encourage my workers to cry when they're suffering and uh, not to drown um, their distress in their keyboards how would you respond would you welcome it would you uh, take them out of the uh, office and somewhere quiet uh, how to respond to somebody who gets emotional whilst at work well, I was going to be taking a look at gossip it could be gossip in the workplace gossip in your life is it a good or a bad thing we've also got a question coming Dr Thuraya one here saying my six-year-old eats only chicken nuggets for lunch and dinner I've tried to convince her to eat other foods but have not succeeded When I try, she refuses to eat whatever I offer her. Then after some time, I let her eat the nuggets as I feel it's probably better than eating crisps or sweets. What's the best way in convincing her to try to eat other foods? You know, it's very interesting. Most parents come to me about the same issue is the issue of eating. And it's very typical for children to be very picky when it comes to their food. But what I tell them is it's that the parent, it's the parent anxiety that deals with the children's eating and not the actual parent. Because what I tell them is when it comes to food, your child will eat whatever is placed in front of them. If you decide to remove the chicken nuggets and place some, and put something else in front of them, you have to follow through. You have to leave it there. If they don't eat that, they don't get to eat anything else. Now, parents usually look at me and they say, what are you talking about? You want us to starve our child? And I say, no. Because children are not going to go hungry. They're not going to starve themselves. Eventually, they'll eat it. They'll cry and they'll nag and they'll whine, but eventually they'll eat it. So keep the rest of the food, the different foods, the different types of, um, you know, vegetables or, or whatever it is. But don't go too far as well. Like don't give, don't go from chicken nuggets to something extremely drastic like, you know, salmon tartare or something you want to go for something healthy but at the same time not too extreme so you you start from chicken nuggets to broccoli well you could go from chicken nuggets to let's say a salad so because kids like crunchy things so they like to eat like cucumbers and lettuce and stuff like that and they can they can um uh, have fun with it or mashed potatoes so at least you know you're getting healthier you're getting the the food that they require but you're not going extreme you get to that later but you put the food in front of them and if they don't eat it that's what's for dinner and they don't get any crisps or sweets or anything else in between because you have to teach them it because it's sort of like a power struggle and the more you give in the more they learn that all they have to do is nag or threaten that they're not going to eat and then you you'll give in so you really have to it's very difficult the first couple of weeks because the parents you know it's really hard to sort of watch your child not eat but at the same time i tell them they will eventually eat it and there has never failed every parent that's done it always comes back to me a couple of weeks later and says what a change Well, good luck with that. Let us know how you get on. And uh, on the topic of uh, crying, somebody's texted in to say, uh, I got emotional actually at work just a couple of weeks ago and felt really embarrassed. Uh, The crying in the workplace, we're going to continue with that discussion, uh, but also gossip as well. And it's interesting that something that 
we imagine isn't acceptable in the workplace like breaking down and crying it could be that it shows a human side of you it could be that it shows its real emotion and and your uh, your boss your manager will respond in real time in a human way so we shouldn't be afraid of that and interesting with this article regarding gossip where one would imagine it's gossip's not good it's negative and one shouldn't gossip this article suggesting that actually it could be quite good for us it can actually be good for our long-term health as well according to a professor of evolutionary psychology gossip has a bigger effect on your life expectancy than anything except giving up smoking and you know When we're talking about gossip here, like when we first read the article, remember, Suzanne, we were talking about this a little bit before. It seems so strange that somebody here is saying that gossiping is good for you as gossiping is actually helpful. But when we talk about gossip, we're talking about the ability to share information with one another. So it's actually a social thing. And that's what's great about gossiping is that you're you're talking to somebody, you're connecting with them, and you're sharing something with them and they're sharing something with you. And that is what's healthy and that is what's good. Because, you know, as we go along in the article, when you read it in the beginning of the article, you're like, wait a second, that doesn't sound so great that you're talking about other people and you're gossiping. But when you get towards the end, you realize that it's not the gossip that the negative connotation that gossip has always had, that idea that, you know, we're talking negatively all the time. It could be positively about others. It could be about events. It could be about ideas. But the idea is that you're sharing that experience with somebody next to you. It's interesting, isn't it, to understand what gossip actually is. Oliver Berkman said, when I tried to stop gossiping, I had a paralyzing insight. Almost everything is gossip. So gossip is something that you're talking about that's not actually really about you or that you may not have the authority on or that hasn't happened to you, but you're commenting, relaying, or even judging somebody else that's going through a circumstance or you might be talking about their behavior, their actions. That could uh, equate to being gossip. Of course, because gossip in in essence has that negative connotation, which is, you know, you're sharing and it's usually a judgmental um, statement about either somebody, something or an event or anything like that. So that's where gossip comes out from. And, you know, it's funny. My father used to always tell me that silly people talk about people and regular people talk about events versus smart people talk about ideas. Mm. And when you really think about it, it there it's all still gossip, but it's about what is it that you're gossiping about? What is it that you're talking about? I mean, you can talk negatively about an idea. You can talk negatively about an event or about a person, but it's about looking beyond the simplicity, the superficial. It's about looking to the bigger things, the things that really actually might eventually affect you and people's lives don't really affect you. Mm, possibly, yeah, I, you're right. I think sometimes people like to talk about others because it's not them, but it could be them. What if, that what if scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you might learn something by observing somebody else's situation or, or behaviours or actions. I think it's often to do with your reasons, your motives behind right. why you're saying what you're saying. If you're saying it out of genuine concern or interest or there's some good going to come out of that conversation. Mm-hmm. Okay, if it's because somehow you get a little bit of pleasure out of their downfall or their misfortune, then that's not so good. Right, and and also you have to think of the gossip brings you attention mm. because you have the inside scoop about somebody else. And so that 
um, in itself is its own reward. And so when, you know, exactly what you said, when it comes to learning from other people's experiences or mistakes or even even uh, successes, that's a great thing. And that's a nice thing to talk about. But when you're gossiping and when you're putting a negative spin on people's lives and their experiences and their successes, then it becomes more, it becomes more of a, I want to tell you something because I want you to listen to me. And it's like that attention-seeking behavior. Mm. And also sometimes gossip is a way of uh, covering so people don't actually look at you or mm-hmm. talk about your issues or what's going on in your life. Let's talk about somebody else. Let's, sh- you know, shed that light somewhere else. And not right, like deflect it. Deflect yeah. it, yeah, not on, on yourself. Interesting. So gossip in the workplace, how is that? Can that be productive? Crying in the workplace, is that okay? Um, somebody here saying that uh, crying at work is a good thing because sharing emotions build deeper relationships well how do you feel about that how would you feel if your colleague next to you was to start crying how would you respond to that would you think it was inappropriate to do so to show it uh, to maybe not take themselves away to the bathroom but to actually just cry in front of everyone and let those floodgates open what are your thoughts on that let us know on 4001 we've also been talking about gossip and uh, Dr. Thrai you were sharing with us uh, something your father had shared with you a quote Yes, it's uh, silly people talk about people, regular people talk about events, and smart people talk about ideas. And Mustafa's text in to say, my dad adds to that quote, great people work in silence. It's, it's very interesting, actually. You know, I think um, that has a lot of merit to it as long as it's not um, pushed silence, like forced silence. You know, I think sometimes... Um, reflecting and being mindful of yourself and sort of listening, you know, and, and one of the things that, that a lot of people say is that we have two ears because we're supposed to listen twice as much as <laughs> we talk, right? And so it's good to sometimes be silent and listen to the things that are around you. So I like I like the add-on to that. I think I might tell my father about that as well. Yeah, and it go- kind of goes with the old adage, doesn't it? If you haven't got anything good to say, don't say anything at right. all. And sometimes people talk for the sake of talking. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people, and you talk about mindfulness, it's a good point to make. I think sometimes, it's a t- okay, it's a double-edged thing. In one way, one might talk without really thinking and just talk for the sake of talking talk to fill that silence in the air because they feel uncomfortable with silence um, talk about others because it's just a bit easy to do that and, and one doesn't have to look and address oneself and what's going on in one's own life on the other hand though sometimes uh, it's good to perhaps hold back a little bit maybe listen a little bit more mm-hmm. and have a kind thought or a kind thing to say about others so I don't want people to feel that they have to think about everything they say before they open their mouths because it's good to be in the present and to say it how it is but we do have to watch if we're always talking about other people and we're always being negative about other people right and and you know silence is not always awkward i mean i have uh interns psychology interns that i supervise at the center and the one thing i teach them about in therapy is that you don't always have to keep talking Sometimes just being silent, and it's very awkward in the beginning when you're trying it, but being silent with a client allows them to think about what they said as well. It's not all the time. It should never be a silent session for a full hour, but sometimes silence can actually be more therapeutic than harmful. 
Hmm. Well, it's interesting that because what the writer of this article talks about working from home and how there's good and minuses uh, to that in that it's good that he uh, gets to spend more time with his family. It's not so good in that he's not got the social interaction that he could have with work colleagues. And part of this article is suggesting that gossiping uh, could be a good thing. It's the social side of gossiping that's a good thing. And in fact, it could even extend your life. But it's about how you gossip and why you gossip Mm -hmm. because you know how you gossip is such an important thing like is it is it meant to be hurtful is it meant to be um sort of damaging and degrading to the people that you're talking about or um and why why are you gossiping are you like you said before are you just gossiping because you just want to fill space are you deflecting from yourself are you you just being spiteful and mean to other people i mean why is important as well and some people might not even realize they're doing it Mm -hmm. some people might think i didn't mean any harm i don't mean any harm but actually it could be hurtful now one person's texting to say i have two gossiping work colleagues who make the office they say such a dirty place to work in interesting use of of adjective there uh he goes on to say the worst part is that when people make up lies and make sure that everybody else believes them so it's what he describes as a a dirty mind it's a sick in the head a sign of a weak and fragile personality and you know unfortunately there are a lot of people that are like that and a lot of people you know they make the work environment so difficult for for others because you know they gossip and ironically the workplace is exactly like high school you form cliques and the, the popular clique t- tends to gossip more about the rest of them and they make other people feel uncomfortable and left out. And, you know, it's, it's, so, it's so beautiful. In, I mean, it's horrible, but it's, it's beautiful in a s- social psychologist perspective to see how we don't change much in terms of how we form our groups and our social situations. When you when you when you put us from high school to about like a workplace, we mm. don't change much because we form our cliques and we we bond with them. And then we have the in group versus the out group and the out group we can talk about and degrade because it makes us feel better. It makes us look at ourselves in a good way. So, you know, and, and, and that I, idea of safety in numbers, you know, if I'm part of the group or the pack, mm-hmm. therefore I, I somehow have a more leverage or more. Um, it's OK. I can get away with saying what I say. But if right. you were on your own one to one with that person talking to their face Mm -hmm. would you be saying what you're saying or in the way that you're saying it right and usually people wouldn't and you know it's it's funny i um i watched a a video a stand-up comedian louis ck and he has this clip about cars and how we become so aggressive and so rude to people when we're inside the safety of our car and we will curse at others and we will say nasty horrible things to them but if they were in front of us we would never say the same thing. And so, and exactly what you're saying. And that, that car is sort of symbolic to the same thing of um, the safety in numbers. Because when we have so many people in one group, we are able to say, you know, I'm safe here. I can talk about others and they'll just, they'll still like me and they'll st- they're still my friends. So if you're on the receiving end of gossip, like this person's describing here, what can they do? Uh, is it a good idea to, you know, face up to those people that you know are gossiping about you uh, and say, you know what, what you're saying isn't true or what you're saying is hurtful. Um, and, and, you know, and that's obviously, it seems obvious to do that, but actually you're working with that person. You've got to continue working with mm-hmm. those people. And also you might 
might not be the sort of person that likes confrontation. Right. And, you know, it's it's a very difficult situation because, unfortunately, at work, it's not the same. You know, it's not the same um, sort of solution that you would do if you were in high school. In high school, you would ignore, you would have, you know, make other friends, find your own support group. You know, you'd still have, you know, certain things to make you feel better. But at work, you're, you know, especially in Dubai, we're there for a good 10 10 hours minimum or, you know, maximum, depending on what you do. And so there's a, a, a big chunk of your day is there and a big chunk of your energy is left at work. So what I usually suggest people to do if it gets really bad um, and you notice that the person is being very malicious about it, I usually say go talk to the HR department because that is the best and most professional way to handle it and file a complaint. That is if you don't feel you are able to speak to the person themselves. Because like you said, Suzanne, you know, some people don't realize that they're just being malicious. Some people think they're joking and they're just, you know, they're saying something that's funny in the presence of somebody else. Whereas for that person, it's very hurtful. Well, Cards text in to say, I once heard a quote, the truth is not hard to kill, but a lie well told is immortal. He goes on to say, I feel that gossiping in a way is, makes the workplace impossible to live in and it's really not healthy. And I think actually if it's something that's sustained over a long period of time, gossiping, being gossiped about, you, you've, you're verging, you know, you're entering into bullying here mm-hmm. and it can be unbearable and incredibly um, difficult for someone walking into the workplace feeling that their colleagues are talking about them and not only talking about them but in a negative way and may not be a truthful way either. Right. And it's and it also can affect the person's work performance, because sometimes what happens is that people um, say negative things about the way a person performs in their work or that they're lazy. They don't really do their job and they're in one department. And if they shift over to a different department within the work, the same workplace, then the other the people in the new department that haven't even seen their work yet already have this predisposed thought of that person saying, oh, they're lazy. You know, we don't want them in our department. Let's go to the phone lines. Uh, good morning. You're live on Dubai Eye. Hi, good morning. Good morning. What did you want to share with Dr. Thuraya? Dr. Thuraya, good morning. I was, I early, uh, earlier I sent a message about the two work colleagues that uh, gossip in the workplace. The, the, what happened is in the beginning of the year, we had a new work colleague that joined us. And um, he, was, he saw me probably as a threat because um, I was very close with the owner. So he went around and took every chance to make sure to bring up any negative ideas or gossip around behind my back. And then I realized fairly down the line that there was another guy that was a less of a less of a person, less of a rank office, which I personally trained and put into the workplace and made sure that he's doing well. Turned out to be that he as well was doing almost exactly the same thing and both undermining the fact that I was working in that company. And the thing is that the owner and the, the HR know exactly what my worth is. I know exactly what I'm doing in the company. But they're, they're thriving to always bring out these gossips and talk about how much people make and all this stuff. How do you deal with people like this? I personally just left it alone. Just, I, heard, I heard almost everything they said uh, from the things that you would expect that are logical and illogical, which are true and not true, which are inflated and non-inflated. And I just kind of sat around and took it with a smile because there's really nothing I thought of that I could do to better 
better the situation. So is it a good thing? Is it a, is it a good thing, Doctor Thuraya, to just do nothing at all if people are trying to usurp you, undermine you, and talk about you behind your back? You know, the good thing about this situation is that the HR department and the owner both know his worth and both see his great work at the job. So they understand that whatever's being said is uh, is irrational and it's and it's dirty and it's really gossipy. So they're not really putting much attention to it. In this situation, I would say the best thing to do is just to ignore them. However, if you feel that this is something that's truly affecting you, if you feel that it's something that's truly um, bothering you on a day-to-day basis at work, then I would say that you might want to consider approaching these people and talking to them about it. But in this situation, from what I've understood so far, is that it doesn't seem to bother him in the workplace. The owner and the HR department understand how, how well he's doing. In that case, just ignoring is the best option. You're being the bigger person, which right. is uh, a great way to be, actually. Thank you very much for your call this morning and all the best with that. Thank you. Now, Dr. Therai, we've been talking about crying in the workplace, gossip in the workplace, and uh, we had a listener call in earlier, and uh, he was saying, you know, I've just been the bigger person and ignored the gossip about me in the office. Uh, But things that come out of that, one person saying, if I complain to the HR department, who do I complain to in the HR department? department Uh, somebody else is saying that you know if it's really hurtful and as you advise then maybe you do need to confront that person Mm -hmm. because you know the HR department that's one of the things that they're that what they're supposed to do is they're supposed to ensure employee satisfaction workplace satisfaction and so if there is something like this happening you can go to the HR department and speak to either the head of the HR or to one of the head uh, the HR employees and you can tell them that this is going on and that you haven't approached it, maybe ask them for advice. What exactly should I do in this type of situation? Now, more often than not, the HR department will help them and guide them through the necessary steps to get them through this kind of a situation. But just like that gentleman who had called in, you know, it's great to be the bigger person. It's great to ignore. And in that kind of a situation, it's very possible. But in other types of situations where people are really affected, where their their employer doesn't know, either because there's a lot of, um, uh, let's say, uh, there's a huge hierarchy. And so the, the head person or the other bosses or the other managers that don't work directly with that person, um, are they're not involved and they don't know that person. These this kind of gossip can actually affect their uh, promotion, their their renewal of contracts, whatever it is. So in that type of situation, it's important to approach the person as well as the HR department because it's always important to make sure to make things official and to make sure that things are written down and that the HR department knows of what's going on. You know what? Life's too short is what I think they're saying. They go on to say the truth is eternal and not a lie, no matter how well told. So whatever's happening in people's lives that they feel that they have to gossip about others, then they're missing out on. They're not they don't really have a very good quality of life and the truth will set you free. And maybe that's something you have to come to terms with yourself if somebody's talking about you negatively or telling lies about you gossiping about you how do you hold yourself how do you get through challenging times now when we come back we're going to be taking a look at the inner voice so how you talk to yourself and how that can make a difference to the success in your life it could be in your relationships it could be in your work life it could be as simple as having to do a task today how you approach that task what are you saying to yourself internally could make a huge difference to the outcome.